Hey listeners, I know my guest is a little echoey in the beginning of this episode. This was the one time I did not do a test before I hit record and I have learned my lesson. But I hope you'll hang in there for a few minutes because it does get better as the episode goes on and it's a good one. So there is my caveat. Hey fellow nerds, welcome to Research Hole, a podcast where I talk to artists about the research holes we fall down on the way to our projects. I'm Val Howlett, and before I get started today, I just want to say thank you. I um, was looking for the first time in a few weeks at Apple Podcasts, and then I saw that there were two new reviews, and that was exciting to me because I did not know who the people are. I don't know that I necessarily need this podcast to become a global sensation or anything, but I do want more people to find it um, because I want to keep doing it and I want to keep getting questions from y'all to read in the stuff, something I learned this week section. Um, So this is also your friendly reminder to email researchholepodcast at gmail.com if you want to share something you learned this week and please please do let's meet our guest our guest today is joey howlett joey is perpetually finishing up his phd at columbia university working on the xenon collaboration which is trying to find dark matter with large detectors underneath a mountain in central Italy. Ooh, he is also my brother. Welcome, Joey. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm also a listener. I forgot. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, I feel like Joey is a very, very sweet and kind person to talk to. Like we just talk about research holes on the regular, I think. Yeah. I mean, most of our conversations are about like bullshit that we found on the internet and think is interesting or something or like weird, obscure arcana that we like uncovered and want to share with the other because we know they would be into it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm psyched that I can talk about native plants with you. I'm going to talk guys. I'm going to talk at Joey today. Um, I know I haven't done that this season. I don't think, um, but I feel like you are one of few that would be at least vaguely interested. And I'm, I'm going to try to make it like interesting to the general listener, but like you feel, you feel like the right person to talk about this too. Great. I'm honored. I can't wait to hear about it. <laughs> Cause it's like vaguely science, you know, and you're a scientist. Yes. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm technically a scientist. Although I'm not sure if you have to wait until you have a doctorate to say that. Like, nobody's ever really cleared that up for me. Um, so, but I, but I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'd, I'd like to you're, be a scientist. You're very close. I'm almost there. <laughs> yeah. And you're a birder. Yeah, I love nature. Everybody loves nature. I love birds. I'm really into birds, uh, which is like a, a very nerdy hobby. Uh, I go to these like birding events and I'm always the youngest person by like 45 years. Um, but that's kind of where I, that's kind of where I live. That's my sweet spot is activities meant for octogenarians. Dude, that's what gardening is like. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like all your podcasts. Yeah, exactly. Backing up because I want to also let our listeners know that like, I want to talk about your bio, which we sort of pulled together in the last five minutes. Um, 
but there is a side to you besides the scientist side, right? I want to acknowledge your artistry too, because you are into creating things like you're working with your friends on a podcast. Yeah. So I have a lot of things that are not fully formed um, or not like out there yet, but I hope will be soon. So there's, I made a short film with some friends. I'm working on a podcast with some friends, um, but it's a heavily edited podcast. So it, takes a long time to produce and none of us know what we're doing um i'm also trying to get into um writing about science i'm like an art wannabe so i i'm a scientist who wishes that uh creativity played a more significant role in my life so i i do all these things and i i also am really into meditation like i have physics friends who um are into physics in the sense that on the weekends they'll go down a research hole because they find some weird paper and get wow. really interested in some physics topics. That's not typically what I do. I'm, I'll get more into like some strange phenomenon in, in, in medieval Buddhist Japan that occurred around some religious practice. Did you tell me once that sometimes you would just like go to the random box on Wikipedia? Well, I... I I'm very, I, I have a collection of strange Wikipedia pages. Um, you do? Yes. Can I, you tell um, me one of them? Uh, okay, I got two and got you can two. choose which one to edit. Okay, Joe's first Wikipedia hole was so good that I am not including it because it's going to be its own episode. Another one that I just pulled up. A great Wikipedia page is, I don't know how I found this one, but, well, I know, I do know. So her name is Mary Kay Bergman. She was the lead female voice actress on South Park. So in South Park, like, all of the voices, mostly, for a long time, were voiced by, like, Trey and Matt, the people who made the show, right? And they would just pitch up and down their voice and do Cartman and do everyone, right? But there was this, one, like, one female voice actress who did all the female characters, and... Her story is like cool as shit. She like she like was the first person to voice Snow White in the in the I guess it was in the 90s. She was the first person to voice Snow White like since the original person to voice Snow White, I think. Or at least like her, but then she got like written over or something. There's some kind of crazy story about how she didn't get credit for voicing Snow White and her voice got replaced. Um and then she had like like she had bipolar disorder and a bunch of generalized anxiety disorders. And she, had, I think she committed suicide in the end, but she has this like crazy sad story about like her, she should have been this big deal in voice acting, but like her career got kind of got taken from her and she lost her mind and killed herself, which is the kind of like sad wiki story. Wow. Yeah. So those are two. I mean, I, I have like something like 15. That a lot of them are sad. I like sad wiki stories. I have Natalie Wood on there too. Like Natalie Wood is this person who like her murder was a big deal and Christopher Walken was maybe involved in it. I would definitely like, again, if you're into true crime shit, like that page is crazy. Her life is crazy. I, I think I like sad rise and fall stories maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and are these all things that you found on I don't Wikipedia? fucking know. I fuck around on Wikipedia. This is why you brought this up, because I'm sure I've told you. I just fuck around on Wikipedia when it is nighttime. That is what I do with my time. <laughs> yeah. There are worse There are worse ways to spend your time. I've definitely done that, like, 
I have looked up a thing on Wikipedia, then clicked on another thing, and then clicked on another thing, yes. like all related to the original thing, until yes. I, I am somewhere else, like reading about something really different. Yeah, I mean, this is how I get to where I buy like all of my books because Wikipedia is like subsections on different movements, like of philosophical thought and mysticism and all these things like they're really comprehensive and they link everybody to everybody in a way that makes it easy to like dig into a topic and buy a bunch of books which is like my problem <laughs> that I, need to, like, I buy too many books that i don't read but but uh yeah i mean wikipedia is the best thing in the fucking universe like i hate the internet and everything having to do with it except for wikipedia i love wikipedia so much i wish i could work for them like i should be their publicist or something <laughs> Wikipedia and Nest Cams. Do I like Nest Cams? Nest Cams? Don't you watch birds on Nest Cams? Oh, yeah. I, I thought you were talking about, like, the Nest Cam that you put in your room to, like, watch your baby or whatever, which I, I'm not an advocate for those. No, 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 no. <laughs> but, yeah, I do. Okay, just Google or find on YouTube Bard Owl Nest Cam, B-A-R-R-E-D. It's the best Nest Cam. They have baby barn owls every year they're the cutest fucking thing in the universe you get to watch them grow up and fly away i have it on my tv for that entire several months while i'm working or like doing whatever i'm doing uh. so highly recommend yeah <laughs> well so this actually does lead back because i guess one of the reasons why i thought talking to you about native plants would be vaguely interesting at least to you is is that it does benefit birds what do you know about like does that term mean anything to you native plants no i was once i was once um on a walk with a friend who knows about ecology and this friend told me that like we were in the we were in like the a park in washington heights and this friend was like everything you see around you she's she, like had been a ecologist or something and she was like everything you see around you is non-native like all of the plants we are looking at on either side yeah it's all pretty it's all green but all of it is invasive like 100 <laughs> percent uh, that's kind of my experience i am not an ecologist so of course i'm going to get a lot of this wrong i think um i think i'm gonna like misstep a bit but um whatever this is not a show for experts this is a show no. for like enthusiasts who just yes. discovered a thing um I, I i mean my favorite thing is talking about shit i don't know about like <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'll tell you how I sort of like became interested in this topic. Um, I've talked a little bit about on the show about how I like to garden. Um, and it, it is it is like to the point where like I do a little video on Instagram about gardening semi-regularly and yeah, I'm curious I, I'm curious how you've only talked about this a little bit on this show <laughs> I know I know well because mostly I've been talking to writers about stories sure um, but still I, I don't know that I have a conversation with you where it doesn't come up <laughs> I know it's and also I am aware of like what a nightmare I've become like not to you I don't care with you but like <laughs> But like, sure. I had friends over like maybe a month ago and we were like walking around and like talking about other people's gardens in the area. Cause like Philly is like full of gardens. Yes. And my friend was like, oh, she needs to trim her black eyed Susans. And I went, <laughs> I went off on her. I was like, 
those are not black eyed Susans, those are echinacea. <laughs> and I was like, why do you think they need to be trimmed? Like, why? And I started talking about like wild versus cultivated. And <laughs> then I was just like, oh my God. Like, yeah, if your strong political ideologies mostly concern which plants should be trimmed, I think you've maybe gone too far. <laughs> oh, I'm way too far. I am way too far gone. Like, I could talk about this stuff all day. And, like, most people who live with me are, like, kind, but also, like, sort of can gently tell me when to stop. Um, sure, yeah. Like, like, it's, <laughs> like, I know I have crossed a threshold into... Sure. Anyway, into Nightmare Fortunately, Man. you have a podcast where you get to talk about whatever you want. Exactly. This is this is exactly why I made this thing. So, <laughs> so I, I always like loved plants, um, but I never was like actively gardening until I moved into my own house. And um, because I never had a backyard, we had a backyard in our old apartment, but it was um, sort of owned and maintained by the people upstairs. So there, I didn't feel like I could do stuff in there. Yeah, it wasn't um, your garden. Exactly. So when we moved, I started gardening, gardening immediately. I was really psyched about it. And I had a lot of stuff going on in the rest of my life, a lot of like anxiety stuff. And I suddenly became obsessed with gardening because gardening is like known among gardeners for like doing a lot with like stress reduction and yeah. um, just like it's it's like a flow state thing. Um I think of it sometimes as my meditation, even though it's not exactly the same as meditation. Um, but it also yeah. allows me to like, you know, look things up online constantly. And like, there's so much to learn, you know, like every plant is different. Yeah, I will also say like the, the kind of, plants are kind of like literally your speed. Like yeah. the, rate, the rate at which plants move and grow is kind of similar to like your rhythm moving through the world. So Dude, that is so insightful. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is spoken by someone who knows me really well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at one point, I think Carmen asked me a question about a type of plant. Like, can we grow this thing? And poor Cartman, but, but I, we only have sunlight in this one spot and it would take like three years to sort of become mature. And so you wouldn't see flowers until like four years from now. And she was just like, I could never do this. Like, I don't <laughs> like, that I was so long. That is an eternity. Yeah. yeah. And, and Carmen loves to decorate. She's very visually smart. Like our whole entire house is like pretty much decorated by her. But she she wants the thing right away. I, I'm not. There's a lot of things I'm not, but I definitely am patient. I think. Yes. Um, so that is certainly helpful when you're gardening. Yeah. Although even I've been like, oh, I can't wait till three years from now when this plant actually. Works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're you're still on a human timeline. <laughs> yeah, I get frustrated. I get frustrated. Um, yeah. And that's why I sort of go nuts when a plant actually flowers because I've been waiting like f usually a year or like five months. Totally. Um, yeah. But anyway, native plants. So 
I started learning about native plants like sometime into gardening, I think, because I almost by accident, like the first plant sale I went to here in Philly was a native plant sale, but I didn't know what that meant. And I just like bought some plants there. Um, and one of them was a native iris. Um, it's called a blue flag iris. It's one of the um, only irises that is native to uh, this part of the country. So that is to say native plants are plants that originated in your region. Okay. And so it's not it's not enough to be new or a new world plant or even an American plant. It's kind of got to be regional. Yeah. And some people are real intense about it. Like some people okay. are like, what is native to Philadelphia or like mm -hmm. what is native to Pennsylvania? I would say most people who are into native plants will be regional. They'll be like mid Atlantic sure. or like East Coast. Sure. Um, but they won't necessarily. But there are pe there are people who are really intense and who are like this area of Pennsylvania only. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. blue flag iris is the iris I bought. Did not know that. Just was like, oh, it's an iris. I actually thought it was a Siberian iris, um, for some reason. And anyway, my whole goal was to like try to figure out what would grow in my garden, which is pretty shady. Mm -hmm. And um, so I just like started buying any shade plants I could find. And I just happened to go to this native plant sale. And then also the garden center near my house is has like a good amount of native plants. But I didn't really know that. I was just looking for shade plants. Sure. And like I think maybe this first or second spring, it would have been maybe the second spring, I started to see all of the irises in my area because a lot in philadelphia a lot of people have front gardens like a little patch of green in front of their yeah. house and um so i'd be walking around i'd see all these irises and i'd be like why is my iris not blooming um is, is your iris also in the front no okay so was it a shade thing what, what, what why was this well i thought it was a shade thing it was a different iris a different native iris or yours was native and the others mine weren't? was native and the others weren't and wow if you look at an iris actually i'm going to send you a picture of an iris i'm going to email you one. Ooh, okay so i'm seeing yeah these irises which are very well they're multi they're they're many colors and they're all very vibrant mostly purple um and they kind of have three kind of ribs yeah uh, yeah, they're very, they're very vaginal. Their irises are, you can't see them without thinking about how deeply vaginal they are. That, that is, that is the deal with irises. Um, yeah, couldn't not say it. <laughs> how would you describe like sort of the three petals? How would you describe the middle of these irises? Yeah, so, <laughs> this is so weird. Uh, <laughs> So there's there's three petals. Two go to e one goes to each side, and one kind of goes down, um, and then and then kind of at the at the midpoint of the two kind of offshoots, there's kind of like a bulb that looks a little bit uh, almost like roseish, but with very few petals. 
um, coming forward off the plant, like towards towards the viewer. That's what that's what we're looking at. Yeah, yeah. So there's the middle part is, and it, I would say like the ends of it are almost like lacy seeming, like they have these like ruffled ends. And totally. The, the middle, the part that sticks up, is like a bunch of petals. I mean, they look very delicate. Like it seems like it would be very easy to rip. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they're big. I mean, they're mm-hmm. big flowers. Um, if you look, like there's a few pictures, and there's one that's like a whole meadow of irises. Sure. And you can see, like, they're. Um, yes, I see. Yeah, they're like wow. leaves. Their stems are really long, but the flowers are so hardy at the top that it yeah it, like yeah you would think they would grab a lot of light from the way the petals look at least a lot of light hits the petals it would seem so what you're looking at is a, a bearded iris uh-huh which now, is what you were maybe seeing out front of these other people's lawns exactly okay so bearded irises they there's there's a few different kinds and many of them like are grow from bulbs um as opposed to seeds and um, they come from like Europe or Asia um, okay. originally, and okay. but they're they're the most well known type of iris because look at them. I mean, they're beautiful. Sure. Um, See now, I as a naive person like me might might guess that a native plant would be way happier in Philadelphia than a than a Chinese plant. Like it would be the easiest thing to, to grow, but somehow that's not true. Well, you're right. Um, I mean, it depends on the plant though. I mean, certainly a native iris will be happy in this area. Whereas irises, um, the bearded irises, they need very particular conditions. And those conditions very often need to imitate where they originate from. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to show you a picture of my iris, which I had no idea that there was a difference at this point. But my iris finally bloomed like way after the rest of these irises died. So or not died, but the flower petals were done and they were sort of just leaves again. Okay. And I had given up hope. I was like, I planted my iris in way too shady a spot, clearly. Um, yeah. I need to find a new place to plant them. And uh, I'll just try again next year. I'll try to move them at the end of the season. So then, all of a sudden, something happened to my iris. And I'll send you a picture. Blue flag iris. I'm seeing it. It's way more spindly and, like, sparse. Like, the, it's got the same basic shape, but all of these offshoots are very narrow. Yeah. Um, like little swords that go off to the sides and down. And then even the thing going out, going upward, shooting up off the plant, the little bulb is not really a bulb. It's just like kind of one or two little petals. Yeah. If you look, but it's still very pretty. If you look to at like the clump pictures below, um, yes, there's, a there's a picture a of the of clump of them and, and see how different the clump looks. Wow. Yeah. I love these though. These are, I think these are cooler. Me but yeah, too, the clump, dude. The clump looks very small. Yeah. At first I was like, oh, it grew, but it's clearly not doing so well. <laughs> because I was comparing <laughs> them to the bearded irises. Okay. And yes. I was like, oh, it's sad because it's in too much shade, but at least it bloomed. 
Uh-huh. Um, and then you figured out what it was what, or what it was supposed to look like. And it, it was yeah. exactly that. Yeah. I mean, if you, I have really grown to love my iris, especially. And if you go back to like a photo of one of them, the coloration in like the middle, it is so intricate. Yeah, like, these these kind of white patterns. So the leaves are purple. I should have said the the petals are purple, but they have this kind of like complex fractally yellow white pattern towards the middle. That that yeah, that seems more intricate than the other irises. Yeah, and you have to look really close to see that coloration to begin with. Like you wouldn't notice probably the yellow unless you were like up to it. So you didn't you didn't appreciate this intricacy and beauty until you realized that uh, that 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 that's what they were supposed to look like, and then you looked more closely, or or what? Yeah, I mean, I I started learning more about native plants. Um, your poor irises. It's like it's like when you like dress up to go out, and you're like, "How do I look?" And somebody's like, "Well, you're gonna change first, right? <laughs> this isn't what you're gonna wear." You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like that's not what you really look like right (laughs) (laughs) exactly exactly and like um it's funny because so a lot of native plants i've sort of learned um plants that are native to this region which is still i live in pa it's it's kind of like the northeast like it's still the east coast it still gets cold in the winter um it's a little colder in the winter like you know in Connecticut where we grew up, but it's most of the same plants are, are native here. And most of the native plants, especially the native plants that grow in shade are like not as showy. Like the flowers are just not as, usually the flowers are smaller. Sometimes yes. the flowers are like little dots. Yes. Um, they're, they're, they're kind of Spartan. They're like our, it's, it's really true to our puritanical roots, right? In yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very would... Quakery flower. Like <laughs> in the sun, you can get nicer flowers, but even like, if you think about say the aster, the aster is like a daisy that is native and has more petals. And there's like maybe one or two kinds of asters that are big, but most of the asters, they look like, like a weird anorexic daisy, you know, like, sure, um, yeah, yeah. because they have more petals than a daisy yeah. and, um, the petals are thinner and they don't like stand upright as well as daisies do. Like it's good to put them in the back of the garden, like so that there's like a bush or something in front of them that kind of catch them before they flop. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I have come to think that they are, beautiful like i am more beautiful than like a big flowery daisy yeah marnie um and i have been joking around because like marnie helps me in the garden and um marnie knows way more about vegetable growing than me so and we also take walks together a lot so we talk about plants a lot and we always joke (laughs) about like the kinds of plants i like and the kind of plants marnie likes and marnie's always like you like like a delicate wispy little thing and (laughs) we always joke that marnie likes a big boy like marnie Uh likes a daisy or a dahlia or like a peony or like something flamboyant 
Yeah. yeah, something that is like, hey, here I am, you know. <laughs> Whereas I love yes. the flowers that like look like droplets and uh-huh. like point downward. I think when you talk about birding to people who don't get it, uh, especially like, like birding is really mostly popular or it's very popular in North America, um, where the birds are not tropical. So they're not colorful. They're not flamboyant at all. Uh, the showiest birds we have are like cardinals, you know, which are beautiful, but that's like a dark, deep red, you know, and that's uncommon. Most birds are like kind of brown and gray and mottled. And I find, yeah, like beauty in the intricacy, in small, slight differences and in and in like things like when things aren't just like bright blasts of color, you start to look at things like wing shape and like silhouette and like 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 what we're looking at with this northern blue flag iris like it's the first color the first flower i was looking mostly at its like color but here i'm looking more at like its shape you know yeah i love the shape there's a whole movement dedicated to native plants because they are not the showiest plants in the garden often so many native plants you have to like go looking for them like they're not going to be at Home Depot in the garden section, you know, mm-hmm. they're not going to mm-hmm. be at like Lowe's um, because the, like as a shade, someone who has a lot of shade, like if I go to a regular standard, like Home Depot style garden center, I'm going to be seeing um, impatience and I'm going to be seeing hostas. Hostas have really big leaves. Impatience have like a very sort of reliable flower. Yeah, um, those I know. That's yeah. colorful, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Big flowers, it's hard for them to grow in the shade in general because it's they need sun. Um, there's these sort of reliable guys that you can find anywhere. Yeah. Unless you look at native species and suddenly, like, all of these other plants open up to you. Mm. Um, that wouldn't be, like, under consideration for a novice gardener going to Home Depot or something. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the, the movement about native plants, it's, like, more sort of based on ecology and, like, concern for wildlife. A lot of plants that originated here, um, they, because they co-evolved with, like, the sort of native birds of the area or the native insects, they will naturally feed a way bigger variety of wildlife than an impatien, which like comes from, I think like South Africa or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So like the, 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 it impacts the food chain in a big, but like hard to estimate way. I'm sure to have these gardens full of plants that are being pollinated by the local bees, but are not like local for instance. Yeah. Yeah. And the bee thing, I mean, that is like, I think very much corresponds to um, the native plant movement in that, like suddenly everyone wants to save the bees and they want to um, plant plants for pollinators. And very often a native plant will feed more pollinators than, Mm -hmm. um, you know, something that you plant that like, like a begonia or something. Yes. Um, So the the sort of big general idea behind planting more native plants is that you are planting for like 
biodiversity. Yeah, it's like a conservancy type of movement. The thing that that sort of stops them from being wild, widely available, like some of it is just that, like, like I said, they're not as showy often. Um, yeah. So it's like harder to make a case for them versus, you know, like it's hard to make a case for this iris versus the iris I showed you first. It sucks though, because so much of, of like appreciating nature is about going to different places and seeing how they look different. But like, if everybody just buys the big flowery flower and just like every fucking suburb looks the same, which is what we have going on, you know? Exactly, exactly. And the sort of garden with like clean rows with like a lot of mulch in between each plant, you know, like wood chips or stuff like that on the ground. That is not like conducive to like, like to plant native plants well, what you need to create is like, sort of no space and a, like these big sort of flocks of flowers and plants. Okay. Yeah. Cause of course nature isn't nicely ordered in little rows. Yeah. So it's like what they're used to. Yeah. Yeah. It's a way to like imitate nature. Like there are sort of native gar like there are theories of native plant gardening where it's like somewhere in the middle. It's like, because if you look at like a, sometimes you'll look at, a yard and it'll have like a sign that is like planted for pollinators or like native plant garden. And it looks like shit. Like it just looks, mm -hmm. it looks overgrown and messy, mm -hmm. but there is a middle ground. Like there, there are sort of these theories of how to plant natives in like these sort of swaths. Um, yes. Okay. So that it still looks, pretty because it's for you too i mean if you're gardening you're gardening for yourself so of course ideally you yeah. want to do both it depends on what your goals are right like if you are if your goal if you don't care what it looks like and you're just trying to feed wildlife and you're trying to like attract badgers and stuff like it does then do that um yeah you know and then it, it doesn't matter what it looks like it'll just you know um but I think, I do think there's a middle ground. And I also, like, I'm not a all the way native plant guy. Like, there are some people who who will only grow native plants. Um, and, like I said, are very intense about region. Yeah. Um, but there's, there's invasive plants. There's native plants. And then there's something in the middle, right? Which is like... Sure plants that are not invasive, but are from somewhere else. Totally, yeah. And I always like, I don't know, I've always felt a little like weirdly uncomfortable with like the rhetoric of like native plant people. Like- Because <laughs> of the like, like uh, jingoism of it or yeah, whatever? Yeah, it like... feels a little jingoistic <laughs> the way they talk about it. I mean, I like know it's different, but like, they're just kind of like the invasives are coming in and crowding out our native species. <laughs> and it's just like, uh, okay. Yeah, we should close our <laughs> ecological borders. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think some native plant people want to go back to, like, a, a country that will never exist again. Like, so yeah. you have to be okay, realistic. Yeah. Um, yeah, make American native again. Okay, also. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, I get it. I listen yeah, to... Yeah, I, I mean, that's a general problem, I think, in conservationism right like there's a lot of like the world is different 
irreversibly now than like it would be without humans that imprint cannot be removed so like there's a lot of discussions about like which species to save and how much effort to put into like tiny subspecies that are like on their way to extinction which is definitely our fault but also kind of inevitable and like what you know i feel like this is a general conservation thing like how much should we keep things as if we're not here because we are you know right right and i will plant like plants i like i i think a, a garden looks really good with a mix of native plants and non because native plants are perennial, right? They come back or they're um, ephemeral, which means they sort of like disappear for a while and then come back the following year. Um, is this, this is true of native plants in the mid Atlantic region because the mid Atlantic region gets so cold. Like, is it, is that how it works or yeah. like, how should I? Okay. Yeah. Like to our region. So like, yes. So like no house plants are native to our region. Yeah, because house plants are in an environment that's like never realistic outdoors in New England or Mid Atlantic. Yeah, okay. Right. So the plants that grow outside that are native need a period of frost as part of their life cycle. Um, so obviously there's no period of frost in your house, hopefully. So like that's why most house house plants are tropical yeah we have the you know our plants like their seasons like leave it to the california plants for their summer year round (laughs) i like to see change you know i appreciate it (laughs) yeah i i get these native seeds oh and there's a whole other thing that i don't even know if i should get into because it's like in the weeds but like haha weeds but like uh (laughs) (laughs) but like about cultivars of native plants and if that's okay. There's a million different kinds of roses because roses have been cultivated for millennia and they're like a beloved flower and not millennia, but like like centuries and they're a beloved flower. And so so you can sort of try to find a sport, like a biological sport and like clone that sport or um, like breed. Yes until you get like a new color and then like clone that plant because plants can regrow from cloning. So like, mm-hmm. um, many... yeah, I recently heard that all bananas are one guy. Somebody told me that. Right. Yeah, exactly. For standardization. And like, that's what the guard, the big box garden industry like wants. Like they want, when you order a rose, they want the rose to be like reliably peach because you have ordered like the peachy, pie rose and so you know the only way to get that reliability is to clone another peachy pie rose that's not a real kind of rose by the way but like a lot of them have silly names like that sure sure, (laughs) um but but, the, the the nativists might feel that natural selection hasn't taken its natural course in those whatever cultivars well there's there are all of these studies have been done about whether cultivars of native plants, because as the native plant movement has grown and like the, the sort of desire for people to plant for pollinators have grown, then, you know, capitalism exists. So like gardeners will um, sort of create cultivars of natives. So they'll like find a native and then like make a slightly different species that like has more like 
sort of multicolor in the leaves or like is a little more blue or like is a little more aphid resistant or something. And yeah, so there's a market. Right. There is a market. So people have naturally already created cultivars of native plants. But again, like we said, that plant has not been through natural selection. That plant is a clone, which means um, there's less biodiversity overall, um, which is it good or is it is it okay or is it bad? And there are all these studies that have been done about cultivars, but it's like such a new science about like, okay, there's like a team that, I'm gonna link in the show notes to like a bunch of studies about nine bark, um, which is a shrub. And they studied like how many insects would feed off the cultivar of the nine bark versus the native Mm. nine bark and like it seems like what they found were that if if the colors changed in the leaves that um insects were less likely to feed um and also if you had cultivated for larger berries it could pose a problem to birds um yeah okay but if the because in general the decisions that like are the decisions we make about their their genes that are aesthetically pleasing to us don't serve the needs of these other animals that rely on them for totally different non-aesthetic reasons exactly and like but then they found that like the flower colors like that didn't matter so much like to insects so it was like there's a there's a lot of research still to be done but ultimately if you are trying to actually like grow for insects and like native species you should grow the original not the cultivars yes okay which i never understood either until like a month ago (laughs) when you when you found these studies when i found these studies yeah because i i think i've bought i bought like some phlox cultivars and i was like look at me i'm planting native phlox and like i wasn't or i mean i was but sure yeah it's complicated. It's There's very always someone more being more pure purist than you are, you know? This is a <laughs> universal fact. <laughs> well, and there's like a good there's a good story I like about monarchs. So um a sort of earlier thing that happened, people freaked out about like monarch endangerment, that like sure. the numbers of monarch butterflies were depleting everyone loves monarchs whereas like Mm -hmm. you might not care as much about like a type of a type of damselfly that like a bird will eat or something Um, yes yeah so everyone freaked out and the sort of directive became to gardeners was like you should grow milkweed because monarch butterflies when they're in the the when they're in or whatever yeah the caterpillar stage will eat the milkweed um Monarchs, when they're in their final stage, will eat like a bunch of stuff. Um, but the caterpillar can only eat like a certain kind of milkweed, right? So everyone started buying milkweed and growing it, which was cool. And milkweed is beautiful also. Um, mm-hmm. I grow it. It's easy to grow. Um, but people mostly started buying tropical milkweed. Oh, which is not helpful. Yeah, it's less helpful. And and okay. I 
before this episode, I was trying to do research to find out exactly why, because that is unclear to me. I sure. I think like some some of them were saying it like it like encourages them not to migrate, and then something bad happens if they don't migrate or something. Mm-hmm. I don't, yeah. but I I just don't get it. Um, sure. But anyway, I mean, they, I've I've been seeing a lot of monarchs this year. I I, I uh, like I've noticed, but it's probably just the statistical fluctuation. But I'm optimistic, like way more than previous years this year. I think. Well, milkweed is becoming like way more successful as a garden crop too. So Ooh. I mean, people want to plant milkweed for monarchs, so that could be part of it too. Um, yeah. And you just got to plant the right kind of milkweed. But like people didn't know, you know. So totally, yeah. It's like the sort of level of engaging with the natural world on a like, I'm just making a garden. It's like really hard to figure totally. out. Totally. To do it right or quote unquote right or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And and then there are people who are like anti-native plant. Like, <laughs> yeah, of course there are. <laughs> <laughs> because people are saying. There are people that think it's a good idea. So of course there's a lot of people that. <laughs> right. Well, and there yeah. are people who think that nativists like go too far uh-huh. and they're not counting like not me i'm i'm nativist all <laughs> you are <laughs> no i just i i'm trying to make a make a big stand used against me people have <laughs> joe people have really strong opinions about this like this is people will get into heated debates <laughs> um some people think nativists go too far because there are plants from other countries that can feed a lot of wildlife Sure. Yeah. Um, there's a book. yeah. I mean, it sounds all it's sounding a lot like like GMO debates and things where it's like, oh, this isn't natural or whatever. But then also like, but these apples are super fucking big, you know. Like, <laughs> I, I'm hearing both. You know, yeah, I get it. But you're in a cool position because you happen to aesthetically like them more than yeah. other people seem to. I'm so lucky. Yeah. And I mean, I think. I'm still on a quest to make my garden beautiful. I think it looks good, but I'm not there yet. And um, well, you got to defeat the fence. That's the m- motto, right? I know. You told I me to... we. You, I was guarded for context. Yeah. <laughs> I was helping Val in her garden at one time, and she was like, "The goal is defeat the fence, <laughs> which is vertical space. She's trying to create vertical something." Yeah. It's really hard, man. <laughs> I did not achieve my goal this year. Although I had some good, I had some good fence plants. I did. Um, yeah, it, vines don't grow in my garden. It's a whole problem. But like, I don't know. Like I was asked, I was talking to Marnie once about native plants and I was like, it's really hard to find, it's really hard to grow perennials only because like at every time of year, like one perennials in bloom, but then everything else isn't. So you have like a lot of leaves. Yes. And Always. yeah, yeah. I was like, I don't know how you could like make a garden beautiful with just native plants. And Marnie was like, I think you supplement them with other plants too. Yes. Otherwise you have pure seasonality, which is, yeah, that's not a year round garden. There's this native plant I love. It's called bone set, which is very goth. Whoa. And it, it comes out in the fall, which is also cool because like summers are too hot here. So it's like, I've learned also that my garden, I just want to make my garden really nice in the spring and the fall. And I'm looking up bone set. It looks like a 
<clears throat> kind of like a little miniature white bush. Uh, yeah. The, the flower. It's very cool. It's like a little bundle of, of white dots. It's, oh, it's so cool. It looks so good in like when there's a bunch of them. It yes, looks, I'm seeing. It doesn't look amazing when there's just one. Mm-hmm. But like a field of them is so pretty, and yeah, um, I like I like have been trying to put a lot of them. I like will find them sometimes because they're a, they're essentially a weed. Like that's the other thing is native plants are like very often considered weeds. Um, yeah, I there was some flower you, you maybe you remember when we were in Philly. I kept pointing out some flower, and you were like, "Oh, that's a weed," and then you started pointing it out to me. But it's it's very pretty. I think it's purple. It's like Philadelphia fleabane. Fleabane, that's what it is. Yes. So fleabane is what it's called, and it is um, there's a lot of different kinds of fleabane that grow at different times in the summer, and they're really tall, which is fun, and like they have a little little tiny flower on top. And I think they're kind of chamomile-ish looking, or it does look like chamomile, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and some of them are like a little bit pinkish. Some of them are straight up white. And they grow between like cracks in the pavement. They grow everywhere here uh-huh. because uh-huh. they are native. So it's like very easy for them to grow here. Um, yes. And. So they're seen as weeds. Right, now. right. If you put a bunch of like fleabane and bone set in a garden, it does look a little messy. Like you do need something to balance it out. Like a like a few bigger flowers, you know? Mm-hmm. And then and then everything, like texture is what it's all about in a garden. Then everything sort of stands out more um, when it's like against something that is its opposite. Yes, totally, yeah. Yeah, so I grow a lot of annuals too because then they, they go away, so they're not necessarily invasive. They, frost kills them. Um, okay, and then their babies grow the next year or not even? Not even, you gotta plant them again. It's very expensive. Okay. Wow. What's their goal in nature? Like, what do they do? I guess they, if they're in the wild, they sometimes are able to, or do they just go through pollination? Maybe they reproduce? No, they're native to a different area. So they're, they're annual here in Philly, but they are usually, it's like they're native to like Florida or New Mexico or something like that. Um, Okay. So annual just means like not home and going to die. Yes. (laughs) Annual just like, if you put me on Mars, I would be annual. (laughs) It just means, it just means doomed. (laughs) It'll bloom for, but like, like. Also, annuals are kind of like uh, they'll rebloom again and again while the weather is still like its native habitat. So, like, okay, um, like I have dahlias growing right now. Dahlias, the minute they frost, it dies. Um, but if you cut off a dahlia flower, a new dahlia flower will grow. Like, it's so nice because they just keep growing. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, so they're kind of plentiful, even though they're short-lived. Yeah, they're, that's a they're good plant real... to supplement the natives. Then, right? They're like reliable color, you know, in the garden. I think I, I think I am a nativist, mostly because I like the kind of modesty, the kind of like modest beauty of of North American nature. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I, I think I appreciate the same kind of like appearance in these flowers that you do. I think that's why I love them too. Like, like we grew up in front of a woods. We grew up like surrounded by woods and plants that grow in the woods are like, 
almost rarely flowers at all. Like very often they're like ferns and stuff. Yeah, like if, if I was in the woods, like if I took a walk in the woods at home and there was flowers everywhere, it wouldn't feel like home. It would be weird. Yeah. Like it, it's just like a kind of Walden-y woods that we grew up around that feels, I don't know. And when I, I, more and more I appreciate the shapes of trees, leaves and things like that around there. Things that are simple and maybe would go unnoticed, but you would appreciate, yeah. A lot of native plants like even though they're sort of under, especially the shade ones, like even though they're sort of understory plants, they look like they would be at home in the woodland. I think that's why, why deep down I really like them. Yes. Yeah. They're, I mean, they're, yeah, they're, they're understated. They're like quiet, they're qu- quiet, kind of beautiful. Yeah. I like, I like what I've seen. I think I'm a nativist. <laughs> Can I tell you about one more plant? Please. There's this plant called Trillium. And it's so neat. It has three petals, which is rare. And um, I'm going to send Trillium you. Trillium is a brewery. Really? One of the best breweries, yeah. <laughs> it's a native plant. I'm going to send you a photo. Um, I have wanted one for my garden for a long time, but they take like seven years to bloom. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> so they're expensive because, yeah, of course. you know, a, a native nursery supply. would have to like, yeah, it's a supply <laughs> thing. Just Google Trillium and then look at the Google image results. Okay, like, look how pretty. I'm getting a lot of beer. <laughs> oh, maybe Google Trillium no, plants. No, I got it. I got it. Ooh, they're awesome. Right? Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, they look weird. They look like, um, I don't know what's like a daisy where someone ripped off the alternate leaves. Totally. So there's only like three left. It's so cool. And they grow really low to the ground. So they're like, their sort of native area is like kind of the forest floor. To me, they kind of look like lily pads in a way too. Yeah, I, they're cool as shit. Yeah, they look, they look like the kind of thing, like bloomed Pachysandra almost, because they're so yeah. I got, I finally bought one. I like, I like swallowed the cost and I bought some trillium bulbs and the bulbs are like like these little dots. And um, I planted them. Then I got the planting instructions and it was like plant half in the ground, but like the top needs to be showing. And so I did that and I was like, eh, this seems weird. And then squirrels dug them up immediately. No. And they're gone now? They're gone. Fuck. Yeah. That sucks. So wait, so they take seven years to grow, and then what? Then they're perennial? They they multiply. So they will naturalize, but they'll naturalize over, like, decades. Shit, that's so cool. I want these. So it's like, you sort of see, too, why people want to preserve that kind of plant and why it would be hard, because yeah, they're not, they're not like, an easy... They're not an easy plant to grow. You got to wait a long time. Yeah, I mean it's not it's not his fault. We changed the fucking game on him. Like like, (laughs) this this plant spent billions of years figuring that seven years is nothing. Like okay, I take seven years to grow and then I multiply. That's fucking fine. But now like you rely on people gardening and like their impatience, and of course it's not going to be a good plant for that. Yeah. I watch a lot of Gardener's World, which is a British show about gardening during the pandemic. And 
there was like this, they did all these moving segments during the pandemic that were like maybe a little cheesy, but um, there was one about a woman who like was plant, who like got really into gardening while her husband was sick with COVID and he got really, really sick. And she was saying, you know, the promise of planting like these long-term plants is like, you have to live to see them. So it's like mm. a it's like an act of hope kind of and an act of looking forward. Like it's like I'm planting these for my husband who will get better or like I'm planting these knowing I'm going to live here for a long time. Like planting yeah. a tree. Or I'm planting these for whoever's here next. <laughs> right, or for her, for whoever's here next. Like I will never get to see cuz of totally. course you can die tomorrow. Like I may never see my peonies bloom. Um, yeah, we're we're all annual when it comes down to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think your metaphor for annuals was not perfect, but like you would okay. you would you would die a lot faster on Mars. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Be able to like explain the gravitational pull before I like gasp my last breath out. Though. Yeah, you'd be a beautiful. Give me a chalkboard on Mars. <laughs> I can I can make a little YouTube video before I croak. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to do something I learned this week? Oh, yeah. I forgot about this segment. Yeah, we're back to dad. Uh, so dad is sending you something he learned. Okay. I'm going back to the doc. I have this one Google doc. Dad sent me some facts about food waste. He said, updated June 16th, 2021. I think just reading these facts are stunning. You can stop at any time, but they are a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Up to 40% of the food in the United States is never eaten. Roughly a third of the world's food is never eaten. Oh, so we're not doing that much worse than the world. That's something. I guess. I don't yeah, know. Come where on, that's the... pretty good. I, I would have thought America 50, world 10 or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or like 100% of the world's waste is America. <laughs> I'll take 40, 33. Households toss limp vegetables. People are confused by food date labels. Restaurants often serve mass, massive portions and trash leftovers. Grocery stores overstock their shelves to maintain an image of abundance. Farmers are unable to sell produce that doesn't look perfect. At the same time, one in eight Americans struggled struggled to put food on the table. I mean, well, he delivered on his promise of it being a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will say, like, I, someone in my building gets these like ugly fruit packages or whatever. You know, these things. Mm -hmm. There's like these services that send you the re rejects. I'm like, I don't know. Like, if if there's a whole company that's like shipping people boxes via ground transit of, of like, is that really better for the world? <laughs> like no, it's to a, have another company shipping everyone, everything. I don't that know. That is a great <laughs> question because I, so we get HelloFresh and uh -huh. I'm definitely, I love HelloFresh. I'm not going to give it up, but they claim to be combating food waste. And I'm like, I roll. Like, because they they individually package each one of their items in the box that they ship to us. Like, it is, sure. I, I, we get it because it is the only way we eat healthy during the week and can make sure. fast meals. But, like, it, I don't think it's good for the earth. I think that is a far-fetched claim. I, I think there's just, like, way too much, like, distributed 
services in the world like all these fucking boxes i have friends maybe you guys get this i have friends who get like boxes of of monthly dog toys and shit like it's there's just a box for everything it's crazy this is joey gripes (laughs) there's a box for everything old man yells at cloud (laughs) this is why you like octogenarians (laughs) of course yeah i've been one since birth well, I think we should tell the audience about the lore behind this this dad obsession, which is the story of the hungry man and the thirsty girl. <laughs> right? I haven't thought about that in years. Although yeah, I, re- so... I did like a year ago tell Carmen and Marnie about it, and they were like, that is, fu- that's creepy. Yeah, so, I mean, and we thought, I mean, I, I, it wasn't I don't crazy. think we, like, yeah. no, I don't think we were, like, in love with the idea at the time. <laughs> it was, like, that's kind of gross. Uh, but it's definitely well, there's, like, a lot of compassion and, and thoughtfulness behind it. Mm-hmm. Like, I think, I think it was a measure of our dad being someone who thought about the, like, negative collateral impacts of our, like, everyday actions when there wasn't, like, liberal publications pumping it into your veins every day yeah dad's uh, always been concerned with food waste whenever we would go out go out to uh dinner and we wouldn't finish our food he would say i don't know if he said it as if it was like a tooth fairyish thing that was happening or he would just say there should be this thing there should be something called the hungry man and the thirsty girl no, no okay, i think i fairies. think it was the tooth fairy like he would say save it for the hungry guy and the thirsty girl Okay. The hungry guy is someone who eats everyone's leftovers. The thirsty girl drinks. Okay, so I'm conflating two things. Because then later when I was a little older, dad would say there should be a tube system that just like takes all of the leftovers from all of the food and like just distributes it somehow so he would he he was already dad when I was very young when I was too old for hungry man and thirsty girl but still very young, he would tell me, he would he would gripe about this same thing that he sent you this email about. So it is like a long-standing concern of dad's, yeah. And I guess it was a way of placating us in a way while feeding our imaginations. Like, like maybe we got anxious about leaving food or not packing it up or something. That, that sounds like us. It does. <laughs> <laughs> and he'd be like, oh, it's okay, the hungry guy will get it, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. But sad, but actually the truth is no one will. Wah, wah. <laughs> yeah, that, I guess that's true. If you'd like to share something you learned this week or a research hole you've been falling down, email me at researchholepodcast at gmail.com. I may read it in a future episode. Joe, thanks for agreeing to do this and listen to me go on about plants. My pleasure. I loved it. I love I love hearing about native plants. It was the perfect research hole, a thing I knew nothing about, and now I know something about. I cannot wait to hear from you about many things. Um, the one Wikipedia hole we talked about that was like too good to include in this episode because it needs to be its own episode, and yeah, the other I, thing we talked about. That Wikipedia page started my Wikipedia page. Uh, list. Really? It was the first one. Oh my yeah. god, I yeah. can't wait. First and best. Yeah. I can't wait. Um, this is usually the part, Joe, where I ask where people can find these artists online. Do you want to be found? Uh, if you want to find me, uh, you can... <laughs> You can look me up on Google Scholar. Really? <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. I mean, 
Yeah, besides, I have papers that you don't that are way too tactical. Cool, man. Well, thanks for coming. Thanks so much for having me. This was so fun. You just listened to Research Hall. I'm Val Howlett. Our logo is by Leah Felicity Lucci, and our music is by today's guest, Joey Howlett. Goodbye.